Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. Today, we bring you part three of our continuous improvement webinar series, and this is the part two edition of the UVA Finance Senior Leadership Panel on Challenging the Status Quo. Today, we bring you a discussion with Steve Kamada, Assistant Vice President of Student Financial Services, Julie Richardson, the UVA Treasurer, and James Gorman, the Managing Director for Finance Strategic Projects. Today, this discussion is brought to you as a part of our special edition series of Finance Matters, and we'll continue to bring these to you as long as they continue to be held. The Challenging the Status Quo panel series was designed to show you different perspectives from the UVA finance employees who aren't afraid to challenge the status quo and share their thoughts and ideas with you. And now let's listen into this discussion. The Continuous Improvement Committee. I'm Angela Knobloch, FSG Workstream Lead for Change Management and Continuous Improvement, and I'll be serving as the moderator for our panel today. The purpose of these panels is to hear thoughts and ideas on how to challenge the status quo successfully. Uh, this series includes panels from finance senior leadership like today, uh, finance managers, as well as individual contributors in finance and even some FST team members on a future panel. These are all recorded and will be available in the CI community. Please be sure to check out the CI community for additional ideas and resources. You'll even find a dedicated category on how to challenge the status quo. Now I'd like to introduce our panelists for today. Uh, we have joining us today, James Gorman, Managing Director of Finance Strategic Projects. We have Steve Kamada, AVP for Student Financial Services, and Julie Richardson, our Treasurer. So, Welcome panelists, so glad that you can be here today for this important conversation. And I'll pitch this out and any one of you can start. And, you know, as we were talking as an extended leadership team and, and amongst your own senior leadership team, what, what is it you were envisioning when you decided um, that this uh, needed to be part of a UVA finance goal? Why, why challenging the status quo? I'm happy to, to start, Angela, because for Julie. me, it was, it was pretty simple. Um, I guess I envisioned an environment where everybody, where we all at whatever level in the organization we're at, um, felt empowered to do that, you know, felt that we were comfortable questioning current processes, um, comfortable presenting new ideas, and, you know, comfortable with failing. You know, I, I think sometimes mm -hmm. that, that stops us from moving forward. And so I had envisioned an environment where everyone felt comfortable with those things without fear of consequence. And um, to know that leadership supports you, you know, to know that, that we have your back, do these things. And, um, you know, we are, we are here to foster that. So pretty simple for me um, when I thought what it might look like for, for our groups. Julie, we'll be coming back around to a question on how might leaders, managers help create that environment that makes it more safe. But um, let's go to James next and hear a little bit about your thoughts on, on why, this, um, that, or why this is part of a goal for UVA Finance. Certainly, and I'll, I'll start by agreeing with everything that Julie said. I, I think particularly creating that environment where it's okay to challenge ourselves and, and perhaps not get it right every time. 
um, but all in the spirit of, of uh, continuous improvement, right? Um, but I, I think the other, the other perspective I have on this, and, and at least what was driving me on some of this challenging the status quo is just that I think first and foremost, we are, uh, as is evidenced by our, our experience in 2020, um, we are living in a very dynamic, constantly changing external environment. Our world around us is changing. The higher ed industry is changing. And therefore, in order for us to remain at the top tier of the higher ed industry, uh, it's incumbent upon every one of us at UVA to constantly look at and, and assess the world around us and make sure that we're responding to that um, and, and doing everything we can to kind of be out on the forefront of that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So important, and this year has definitely played that out for, for all of us in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Steve, what about your perspective? Well, I would echo what Julian James said. Um, I think it's critical to challenge the status quo in order to develop and deliver the services that our stakeholders are asking for. Mm -hmm. If we're gonna provide good service, uh, we have to be willing to change as quickly as possible and, and get out the new products and services to our university community. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I've heard a, a stakeholder say recently was, um, well, we already do a good job. You know, we're already, you know, why challenge the status quo when um, it's working? And um, what might, how might you respond to that? Anyone who might want to take that? What, you know, uh, in other words, why, why is it important? Um, even if things are working, let's say. My simple response to that is, you can always be better. You know, I, I think of when you get those surveys and they say, you know, rank from one to 10. I rarely give a 10 because I think <laughs> it can always be better. Um, so you're right, we do a fantastic job on so many fronts and I think we have a lot to be, you know, proud of. I mean, I'm, I'm always proud to say, you know, I work at UVA and I'm in finance and there's a lot of things we do great, but there's always room for improvement. And sometimes it's just really teeny tiny little things, but they all add up to, to big change. Um, so that's my response to that. Okay. James or Steve, anything to, to add to that? I think James's project, the FST is a perfect example. And I'll let example. you talk about that. <laughs> James? I'll add one insight, um, just, and I try to minimize the, the sports references or sports analogies, but I, I think this really plays in. If you think about the history of, of sports in the world, um, you know, con we're constantly breaking records and, and raising our game, so to speak. So if you think about that, what was a world record a generation or two ago is now sort of mediocre. Um, so if we just continue, well, we're doing good and we can just keep doing this and we'll be good. Um, the, the challenge with that is that everybody around us is, or not everybody, but I'll just say that the top performers around us are striving to be better. And if we're the best, um, there's always going to be somebody who's trying to do better than we are. So even if you're at the very pinnacle, the top of the industry, the very best, um, you have to be challenging yourself or you will not remain the best. Good point. Thank you for that insight. That's huge. So, and, I, yes, go ahead, Steve. Well, I was going to say, um, as Julie said, we can always be better. 
And what I often hear is I'll hear from somebody out in the academic community that they're having a problem or having difficulty doing something. And that's when some of our projects do come to fruition. And I have a few examples for later I can talk about. Okay, well, we'll look forward to hearing those examples, Steve. Uh, so I want to go back to something Julie brought up a little earlier about the environment that um, as leaders, you want to create that environment where people feel safe to challenge the status quo. What suggestions, advice, tips do you have for, you know, leaders even across grounds or other managers within finance or whatnot? And, and how do they create that environment that makes it safe? And Julie, I'll, I'll go back and start with you um, on that one. What are, what's something that you do or have seen done that helps create that safe environment? So I guess it's, it's a, a couple of things. Um, you know, first it's asking questions. I, I think when we had decided this was going to be a, a UVA you know, group goal, um, instead of just, I guess, announcing that and saying, this is what we're doing. Um, I asked a lot of questions, you know, I said, is everyone comfortable with this? You know, what are your thoughts on this? Are you comfortable with, with, with being challenged with this? And kind of giving people the opportunity to, to respond to that. And, you know, being explicit about, you know, if there's hesitation, if there's concerns, if there's resistance, you know, you can say that, like, let's talk about this. So I think trust, people trusting that that really was okay to say, oh, this is, this is a little uncomfortable for me. You know, I, I, I'm not used to that. Change is not my nature. And so just instilling the environment that you don't have to agree with everything. If you have different thoughts, different um, concerns, you know, it's a, it's a, a fair place to, to state that. And, and my job, I, one of my jobs as, as a leader is to, you know, understand why, understand your perspective. You may have information that I don't have. You may have um, knowledge that I don't have that, you know, giving you the environment to voice those um, moves us both along along that path. So just developing the trust with your staff and the environment that they are comfortable in being candid with their, their thoughts, concerns, and sometimes resistant, um, resistance to these things. Um, and James, how about with an FST? I might even have a couple thoughts on that one that I've seen you do. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Well, I think you know, one of the one of the things that crosses my mind in this space is, um, you know, for for all of the connotations with uh, with participation trophies, I think this is uh, a scenario wherein it's it's a good thing to celebrate people trying, uh, even if they don't get it right. We need to find that aspect of the fact that they really put themselves out there. Um, saw an opportunity to make something better, and if it wasn't perfect, they still made that effort. And we need to sell, you know, recognize and celebrate that with our colleagues. I think that helps encourage uh, further, uh, you know, participation and mm -hmm. an initiative on everybody's part. Steve, uh, anything else to add on creating that environment that might be helpful for other managers and leaders? Sure. I think when you're a leader, um, your staff watches you very carefully to see how you react when someone has taken the initiative and taken a risk and it hasn't worked out. So if they perceive that you're going to jump down their throat and cut their head off, uh, you're not going to build a very willing risk-taking culture. 
constructive criticism is critical whenever there's a mistake, but you know, it's, it's more of, okay, let's talk about how this went, what you may have wanted to take into account differently, things like that. Uh, how you debrief it and what you learn yeah. from it, having that kind of a dialogue um, yeah. with staff members. Excellent, excellent. Well, so I'm curious now in each of your areas or in maybe even in a previous role, what are some examples of how you've seen staff members challenge the status quo? What are some things that you've seen? Maybe it's more recently, but um, maybe an example of that that will help staff particularly understand what are some things that they might do. And uh, Steve, why don't we go back with you? We'll start first with you this time. Okay. <clears throat> Let me see. I had to make sure I wasn't muted. Um, well, this is broader than just the staff. Is that all right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So one example I would cite is um, Allison Holt in the medical school, who's the, what's her title? I think it's assistant VP. He has a new title. And yes. administration in the medical school. And Tyler Gallick, who's assistant VP for development in the Health Sciences Center. <clears throat> One day they called me up and said, we're having trouble over here and can you help us? And what it related to is they were having trouble spending their restricted endowment funds um, mm. correctly because they didn't have all of their endowment gift agreements. They didn't know what all the restrictions were that the donors had set on the endowments. And so um, several of us got together People like Wanda Breeden up in uh, financial operations, Lisa Schuler, who's now working for James, me. And we talked about that. And what we ended up doing was saying, okay, why are we still dealing with paper endowment agreements? Because every time a question arose, say if Allison had a question in the medical school, she'd have to call Wanda. Wanda would have to walk downstairs here into the uh, dungeon of Carruthers Hall in the basement and search through all the paper files to try to find the agreement. So long story short, uh, what we decided to do was to image all of those, uh, over 6,500 files and put it out there um, for everyone to access across the university <clears throat> for the ones that are relevant to their schools or units. But it was a team effort, which is one thing I'm big about I think when you challenge a status quo and you try to make something better, it's critical to have a good team. It takes a team to do it. We had to have Rachel Sliger and Information Technology Services help with the imaging piece. Allison and Tyler had to uh, provide support and be willing to be a pilot with one of their departments in med school. And of course, Wanda and particularly Lisa. And that was the other thing I was gonna say. Lisa was the champion for the project. And I think you always have to have a champion, someone who's willing to push through the obstacles. So what do you think was different about this as to maybe other things you've seen that maybe haven't been as successful? What, what was sort of the, um, the, the key ingredient here that made this work, do you think? Well, I think one of the challenges is you never have enough time and resources to make some of these changes. Yeah. Um, that's just the fact of life. <clears throat> The support from Allison and Tyler was critical. They didn't provide financial resources, but they provided a lot of uh, support 
explaining what the problems were, how this could really benefit the schools. And uh, we were able to get from Melody um, some additional funding to hire a temp. We had a temp who actually helped out and did the scanning. So that was, that was uh, some additional funds that were necessary, but it wasn't a lot in the grand scheme of things okay. for the payback that we received. It also sounds like the, the team participants seem to have an understanding of the, the vision of what, what, you know, solving the problem and trying to make it better, like what that yeah. outcome would ultimately. Yes, there was a good vision of where we needed to be, where we okay. wanted to go, and an enumeration of the benefits. The other thing I'll say, and this will probably sound corny, uh, but I'm a big believer that you have to have a little fun along the way. If you're mm. going to take a risk and you're going to ask people to invest extra time and effort, you have to try to find ways to have a little fun and enjoy the journey. Well, and if it creates a more comfortable environment, right, mm -hmm. for folks to be willing to do that again. So thank you for that, bringing that uh, example to life for us. James, what about um, for you, things that you've seen specifics where folks are challenging the status quo? Um, well, a few, I think I can list out a few high level examples and um, I'll, I'll give, I'll kind of throw one up and Julie can probably throw in more details around it. But a couple of examples that uh, someone on our team, Brenda Nally, has uh, done kind of on the early stages of FST involved improving the 1099 process yes. and um, rolling out remote deposit capture across uh, grounds and making the, you know, getting us a little bit more to a cashless campus. Um, and then more recently, uh, just implementing the adaptive planning tool to help with the budget process um, as we got into our, our COVID 2020 uh, needing to redo the budget I'm rolling that tool out quickly to folks and uh, eliminating a pretty, well, I'll, I'll, I won't say eliminating yet, but uh, certainly reducing a pretty significant pain point for people across grounds are three examples of things that we've done uh, in, in our project or our program uh, construct. But also I wanted to share an example of just that we're focusing inward with this uh, spirit of continuous improvement as well. And an example of that is just how we have, uh, with tremendous help from you, Angela, uh, begun projectizing our governance content production process. So we have a number of governance groups um, within F FST. And, uh, you know, at the beginning, we were kind of down to the wire, getting that stuff across the finish line and having everything out to people ready to give that presentation to whether it's the fiscal administrators, our advisory group, steering committee, and on. Um, you know, that was a struggle, but I think the fact that we <clears throat> saw that opportunity uh, to do that better and work together as a team to make that a, a smoother process has been a, a great testament to us uh, living the culture that we're working to uh, you know, spread across the the organization. Awesome. Thank you, James. And Julie, uh, are there uh, specific examples that come to mind for you where you've seen this, uh, folks challenging the status quo? Yeah, yeah. So um, 
can, let me step back sort of from a, a macro level, you know, is, is terrible as kind of the, the COVID environment's been to all of this. Um, you know, there's been some silver linings. I think, you know, we've proven that we can be nimble and we can be fast. We can be decisive, even with, with an environment of ambiguity. And, um, you know, we can work across departments for things that benefit UVA because we've had to. You know, I look at some of the things we've done because of COVID that um, the technology existed for a long time, but we couldn't either find the time or it was, um, but when, when forced to have to do these things, it's amazing what we were able to do. And I almost feel like it's given us the, um, the encouragement that these things are possible. So some of the simple things like, you know, DocuSign's been around forever, but we were still routing a ton of things for manual signature and, you know, waiting on messenger mail to take this document around grounds. And, you know, we're now executing documents in a day, you know, DocuSigning and senior leadership. You know, when I see President Ryan or JJ DocuSign something, I'm like, anyone can do it. So it's just silly things like that. You know, I, I also think, um, you know, we've worked with a number of external partner banks, vendors that they were still sending us paper mail invoices. Um, a lot of them have platforms. We can go get them electronically or the ones that didn't. We said, well, we are, we're working remote. If, if you'd like to be paid timely, you're going to have to email this to us. So it's just amazing that when, when sort of forced to task what, what can be done. Um, to tag on to James' statement about the cashless university and all the work that Brenda and that team led, um, you're right, we got off of cash and a lot of touch points around the university. We took um, remote deposit scanners, attached them to computers, and then instead of going to the bank, folks would scan the checks in in their offices, and it, it worked fantastic. What happened in, in the COVID work-at-home environment was that people were picking up checks, but they were saying, well, the remote scanner's in my boss's office, and she's not here, or he's not here, and so we took it a step further and, and here's kind of going back to there's always room for improvement. We implemented the, um, the app on your phone, the Bank of America app on your phone to instead of scanning it through the device, you take a picture of the check, you deposit it through your phone. And so it enabled people who were picking up paper checks or could get an image of a paper check to make that deposit from wherever they're working. And so, um, I think there's been some opportunities in this environment where we've really proven that, you know, we, we can make these changes pretty quickly. So remote deposit, certainly one, um, the app on the Bank of America phone, and then trying to get our vendors to pay us electronically. You know, we, we don't really need to get all these paper checks. So a lot of opportunity and a lot of things that we've, we've already done and, and proved that we can do it fast. And you've reminded me, um, Julie, with your examples on uh, during the COVID time that, um, you know, it brought an opportunity with our governance groups. We didn't believe necessarily that virtual meetings would be um, effective. And what we discovered with our fiscal administrators over the last several months, we've never had a greater amount of participation um, than we had on grounds. And so even in a future world, you know, we need to kind of think through what's the best way to reach these hundreds of people uh, as we go forward. So part of challenging that status quo is sort of a, well, why not try something different? And, but COVID has definitely given us that very specific reason to have to react. I mean, what would you say to folks who, you know, part of challenging the status quo is recognizing you're in the status quo. And COVID has kind of put us into a, we're not in the status quo anymore. 
So I wonder what suggestions you might have for folks um, when it's, you're just, you're kind of in the norm of every day and, and, and how might you challenge the status quo when you don't have uh, a triggering event or sort of a reason to, how, how do folks start to be able to demonstrate it on a, on a maybe even just a day-to-day -day basis? What do you think that takes? Um, James, I think I'll start with you since you're nodding. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think that the easiest thing for us to do is to train ourselves that um, when we find ourselves in a moment where we're frustrated about something that we're doing as part of our daily routine mm -hmm. and, and just thinking there has to be a better way that our very next uh, sort of intellectual step, if you will, is, is to say, well, let's do something about it. And if it involves other people to, to get them in, in on the picture as well. So that's been the key for me is just um, instead of just uh, thinking, wow, this is kind of frustrating and I'm sure there has to be a better way. And then going on and continuing to do it that way, um, shifting into a mindset of, well, let's figure out how to do it better and eliminate that frustration. Oh, I love that. That's so true. Steve or Julie, anything you'd like to add to that? Angela, I was just going to say, uh, one of the things that Melody did for finance was provided all this lean transformation training about lean uh, mm -hmm. methodology. And that's really helped reinforce what James talked about. I know some of the staff here, uh, and I think this is the right lean term, hopefully I'll get it right, always say, well, let's get rid of this waste, you know, yeah. right this term. driving us crazy. We should be able to eliminate this waste in this yes. process. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and so even using a lean tool to help challenge the status quo gives you a framework to be able to do that on a regular basis. Uh, also note uh, for the for folks watching this that the CI committee also in the community has several resources for you on lean tools that you might utilize uh, in doing exactly what what Steve said using some of the the tools and terminology to think about that's a way I can challenge the status quo. Um, anything else to add from any of the panelists on this particular one? I would just add, you know, start with something small, you know, start with something small. Um, especially if, if change or challenge is uncomfortable. You know, I, I listened to the earlier um, panel and, and Bill Ashby had said something that I, I, I really, um, I don't know, it, it just made sense to me. He said, you know, we're not the doctors in the OR doing surgery. We're not, um, most of us are, are not in a position that taking a chance is going to be so consequential you know so when you look at the risks we can do that and if that's uncomfortable just start with something small you know two three four small things they add up to to big changes and so um you know and it gets momentum you know sometimes the success of something small it's just that little push you need to try something maybe a little bit bigger um other than you know thinking something grand right off the bat Thank you so much. James, anything that you want to, to add on in this one? No, I, I can just echo that. It's something that uh, I had a boss when I was at Ford who uh, helped to put things into perspective that way that, um, you know, if, if we're not doing something that's going to shut down the uh, production line, um, 
then then we can it's probably okay to take a risk because you know the production line if it shuts down it's like three three million dollars an hour or something like that um, but in many cases what we were working on if we took a little bit of a chance it wasn't going to uh, wreck the company so I think just keeping things in proper perspective and uh, you know being okay with taking a chance and, and a calculated risk so I'm uh, curious if any of you, how maybe you've handled uh, situations where there was a lot of resistance to challenging the status quo. Um, maybe you've seen it on previous teams or other environments. Uh, how have you handled these situations or how have you seen others handle it where um, folks really just, they, they, they weren't challenging and they, they, they didn't have the mindset. Um, how have you handled that? I'll start with anyone who'd like to go first. I'm happy to go first, but I feel like I'm, I'm restating a little bit what I said earlier. I mean, I think it starts with understanding why, um, you know, why, and it's almost more uncomfortable for, for the manager to say, you know, I, I get a sense you're not comfortable with this. You know, why is that? Like, I, I want to understand. And you know, sometimes they have more information than I do that they know of consequences that I'm not aware of. And, you know, them having the, um, the floor to kind of bring that forward. Sometimes it's fear, you know, sometimes working somewhere else, they've, they've not been in an environment where the consequences are, are not dire. And so, you know, creating that environment and understanding maybe where that concern or resistance comes from um, and creating an environment where, where that's okay, where it's, it's okay to, um, to feel uncomfortable and to, to challenge what's been done. Well, and it, you know, you said in there that it it's an investment in a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. That you've you've got to be able to have um, invest in in your folks in order to understand maybe why they're reticent. Um, Steve or James, anything else that that you've um, witnessed or had to do on your end? Um, I can jump in here. A couple things I'd say. Julie referenced the first. Um, panelists with Melody, Bill, and uh, Augie. And I do remember Bill saying, it's really not life or death. And I, rem I do remember one of our previous executive VPs said, yes, you guys are doing important stuff, but until you come over to the emergency room or the operating room in the medical center, that's really life or death. Um, so we try to keep it in perspective. The other thing is sometimes, um, and this is going to sound maybe negative, sometimes you just have to say, this is what we're going to do. It's providing the, um, the vision for, for how you want the, the team to um, interact and, and behave, right? So it's laying that expectation out, it sounds like, Steve. Yes. And, and I don't like going there if I can avoid it. Um, I'd much rather, I find it better to do what Julie said, you know, talk about the benefits, outline the vision. Um, and we had one big project, which was pretty risky, where we had to spend a lot of time together talking about what the benefits were and why it was important to go there. Uh, I think Bill's, Bill used the phrase in the first panelist meeting, operating without a safety net. And we did have one. There really wasn't a safety net that was coming. 
And, and James, what about in, in your world? Have you had to handle some resistance with challenging the status quo? Certainly. And I, I think, um, you know, just kind of building on, on Julie's uh, take on it is really, I think, and, and sort of merging that with, with Steve's point that sometimes it's the vision and this is just what we're going to do. I think in between those, it's sometimes having a conversation about, well, do you understand the vision uh, for the organization? Do you understand where this is going? Um, and then let's talk about what you're doing today and what you like, why you like doing it that way. And then let's talk about how that's going to fit into the future state. And sometimes maybe they can come to that conclusion that the way they're doing something right now doesn't really fit and they need to conform a little bit. Um, so you can appeal to that side mm -hmm. of conformity. Uh, and certainly the other piece that, that can come out of these conversations, just understanding what their motivators are. Um, you know, sometimes you might find a pain point in there that you can expand a little bit and say, well, let's talk more about that. And maybe uh, getting a good understanding of some of the pain that they do feel even in that current state, um, you can help um, understand how to resolve that um, by getting them to change. Mm -hmm. I know a staff member recently asked me that uh, challenging the status quo felt like I was criticizing others if I, if I do that. Um, so how can I do that without looking like I'm criticizing? So I'm kind of curious, any perspective, any of the three of you that might want to, want to jump into that one, you know, that I, I'm hesitant to have this as a goal in finance because what if I look like I'm a, I'm a critical negative Nelly or something? Yeah, I, I, I'll start with that one and just say, you know, the, the most important thing is that this isn't about the person. It's not personal. It's about the process. Um, and it's about the organization um, as, as opposed to saying you're doing something wrong. It's more about let's look at this process and let's think about the ideal or the optimal way that we can get this done and deliver value to the people that we're here to serve. Right. I think that focus on who we're serving, the customer is important. You know, we deal with students a lot, so we're always saying, what's best for our students and parents. Mm -hmm. Focus on that ultimate um, outcome and who we're doing this for, right? Excellent. Any, anything to add there, Julie? I hadn't heard that comment before, but just in you saying it, <laughs> it resonated with me because I'm thinking of, of all the things I wanna change and it's a policy somebody wrote. It's a report someone created and I'm thinking, if I'm the owner of who created those things that now Julie wants to change, yeah. I do see the sensitivity around yeah. criticism. So yeah. I guess Being I feel like this criticism, right? Exactly, but I feel it's almost like on all of us to accept that this is the environment and to not be as personally attached to that was my process, that you know, this is an environment that challenge is is going to always be happening and that's a, a big change in some areas i think so i i hadn't specifically thought about this yeah. sort of criticism comment which is you know probably why i'm rolling through my thoughts kind of as they're <laughs> happening on this one but that's a really really good point is yeah. um someone has created and spent time and made everything i now want to change 
Um, and so creating the environment that that's okay. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's okay. It's the, the improvement for the entire university. Um, I, I'm going to have to work on that one. That's it's a, a, it was an interesting, <laughs> it was an interesting comment. And, and I think that this person was coming from the mindset of, you know, I, I want to be nice to my colleagues and friends and my coworkers. And what if I come across as being critical? But I love the point you brought up, Julie, that, you know, we've been talking about folks challenging the status quo. You brought up the point of how do we receive the challenge of the status quo? Because that's also, um, I think, incumbent upon us in the in, in our environment, right? That be being being willing to recognize that someone may challenge the way that a uh, 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 process I've owned that mm -hmm. may, may need to be improved, and I need to be I'm willing to understand that that's how we do, you know, that that's part of our environment, right? So it's the receiving of that as well. Wow, thank you for that insight, yeah, James. That was that was great insight, Julie. I mean, it, it kind of inspired a thought in me that even as we are in the midst of this major initiative to challenge the status quo and change that, that, you know, there, there will come a point in the future. And, uh, well, first, of, I guess it was two thoughts. One, we're not going to be perfect. FST will not be perfect. Um, and, and there will be things that we need to tweak. And, you know, I've, I've talked about that for quite a while actually that we need that continuous improvement mindset and skill set to fix the things that we didn't get right when we were doing the big initiative but the other thought that just kind of came to me is that that time that point in time will come in the future when all of the things that we're working to create right now will likewise be outdated and, and you know obsolete so it's just, I thought that was an interesting point to, for us all to keep in mind as we're doing this work over the next few years that, uh, you know, for all of our efforts, um, you know, a lot of what we do, I won't say everything, but a lot of what we will we'll do in the next couple of years will at some point become obsolete and we'll have to, you know, rework it and reconsider it. Um, but hopefully the one thing that sticks is that, is that culture of continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Steve, any insight to add to that? No, I think that's a good point that we have to receive it well too. Yes, yes. That, that's been, that's kind of been mind expanding for me on this panel. Thank you. Thank you for, for that. Well, we are down to just our last few minutes already and I've really enjoyed this dialogue and what I'd like to do is give you each um, a minute or so to um, anything else that you'd like to add? Um, any observations about challenging the status quo? And then one thing that someone leaving this webinar could do today uh, to challenge the status quo. So any, anything else that you want to share um, about challenging the status quo? And then one thing someone listening to this webinar could go do today. Julie, I'm going to jump on that. Okay, yes. good. <laughs> I'm going to jump on that because, um, you know, in, in, in finance, um, we have a lot of cycles. We have the monthly cycle. We have the quarterly cycle. We have the annual cycle. And I find, and I'm guilty of it, that when I'm producing something um, in support of those cycles, my tendency is to say, how'd I do it last month? How'd I do it last quarter? And then just do an update. And so when I think, you know, what can I do is... I need to start thinking about what's the ask, 
not just, let me update what I did last month, last quarter, last year. We had a questionnaire that came around yesterday and it comes around once a year. And I said to Jean, well, pull out last year's. And then I stopped myself and I said, no, no, let me look at this as if I'm seeing it for the first time and not just duplicate what I've done every other cycle. So that's my, what can, can you do? Yes. Um, and then the other thing is, is um, you know, to be impactful, I think it's just, you know, small things add up to big things. So every day I'm like, what, let me do one thing today. And some days it's a lot smaller than others. Someday it's connecting with a colleague I haven't connected with in a while, but that is improvement in our relationship, which is helpful when we need to work together. And so it's just every day, think of one thing. What can I do today, tiny as it may be, that will be a baby step towards this continuous improvement. So those are my two things. Don't start with last month, last quarter, <laughs> last year, and then just do one thing today, regardless of how small it can be, it will add up to change. Um, in aggregate. Thank you so much, Julie. Uh, James, your closing thoughts? I think the, the key thing I just want to share or that have anybody take away is, is first of all, just my, I, I'm just amazed at, at the level of engagement that we've had across UVA finance and our, and our partners across grounds on all of the work that we are doing to transform finance at UVA over the last couple of years. And um, it just gets me really excited about where, go where we're going in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is that we are doing it. Um, I mentioned a couple of projects, but there are, there, there are dozens of projects. There are dozens of improvements that people are making right now um, or have made in, in, in the last couple of years. So it's, it's happening right now. Um, and there's no reason that it can't continue to happen between now and the big go live that everybody's anticipating in 2022. Mm -hmm. So that's a big takeaway is that each and every one of you can make change and can transform UVA finance right now. Um, so the one thing I, I would challenge everyone is to think about that thing, you know, make that, that leap of, um, a point of frustration with something that you're doing in your everyday work life right now, find that thing and take that next step to actually change it. Thank you, James. And Steve, your closing thoughts. Um, <clears throat> this is a non sequitur, but Angela, remind me to talk to you about UVA pay later. Not, not on this one, but later. Okay. And then what I would say is when People have a point of frustration in James' term. They think, why is it working this way? Why can't it be better? And they may not be comfortable bringing the idea forward. They may be a little afraid. Yeah. I would remind them, I would say to them, you're not alone. If you feel that way, look around at the people on your team, uh, talk to some of the people that you work with out in the field. I guarantee you they feel the same way. <laughs> and there is strength in numbers. Um, if you feel that way, somebody else is going to feel that way and br bring the idea forward, make the change. 
Well, just a special thanks to all our panelists today. So glad that you were able to join us and really, really appreciate your insights. And on behalf of the Continuous Improvement Committee, thank you for your support of this initiative. And just a reminder to our attendees that all of the links to um, these series, these panel series are on the Community Hub as they are available. So thank you to all and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Angela. Thank you.